This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. We need to have one of those days where we talk about something that's very polarizing. Every day is polarizing in the United States today. Yeah, but here at IA Forward, we try to not be extremely polarizing, but about once a month. I try to keep your blood pressure down. That's one of those things that makes your wife happy. I try not to be too polarizing too often. But let's talk about fees. We're talking policy fee, agent fees that agents charge consumers and businesses. Broker fees, agency fees. This is another one of those terms like contingency bonus or profit sharing, or y'all have a bazillion different terms, but it's all the same thing. At the end of the day, yes, it's all the same thing, but it's different places within the market arena. And it depends on the type of business that we're talking about. We'll go through the gamut from personal lines, specialty, non-standard auto. We'll talk about it on the standard or preferred personal lines all the way through to commercial and even into, I'm going to blow your mind here because this one you probably don't even know exist, but net of commission or basically the ability of a large broker to place an account based on a fee versus no commission. See, just when I'm starting to get a handle on all this, you throw new stuff at me. You're doing this on purpose. You're just waiting till I'm almost confident in talking about insurance. And then you think, yeah, no, I'm just going to trip her up again. There's this old commercial from 15 or 20 years ago where a guy's quote surfing the internet and then he stops and he reached the end of the internet that doesn't exist in insurance you actually never reach the end you just keep going down the rabbit hole into another area of the industry and so yes unfortunately there are new things every day that seem to pop up even in my world even after 28 years there's things that still pop up FYI, it was a direct TV DSL commercial from 2002. So let's start on the personal line side in non-standard auto, specialty auto versus standard preferred. Non-standard auto for me always reminds me of there's a building as you're leaving the Houston Hobby Airport driving toward beautiful and scenic Huntington, Texas, where they have a car insurance starting at $9 a week painted on their building. Yeah, $2 a day, $2 a day, come get your insurance. It's all marketing. And that's true. That That's what you get. I met a, a man back in the late 90s and he was a non-standard auto agent. And he's since passed on, but he was so fun to talk to. And I had a lot of fun kind of learning some things from him. He's actually the guy that coined the phrase that at least the first time I heard it, nothing happens until the cash register rings, which was strange to me from an insurance agent because he literally had a cash register in his office and he took payments and he rang the cash register. It it was basically a convenience store for insurance. Now, did I want to be in this business? No, but he was so good at it. He even built his own software platform to do some cool things, which is ironically how we met, but he lived on agent fees. You paid a fee for everything. It wasn't just write a policy, get a commission, because you think about that world. A lot of times there are 
policies sold on a month-to-month basis. And the agent does not earn a commission except for that first month or that monthly payment. It's not a situation where an agent writes this package account and gets a commission on the written amount, the annual amount or the term amount. Non-standard or specialty auto agencies, they make money very much like a convenience store makes money. They make the cash register ring. People pay in person. They charge fees for policy changes. They charge fees for an ID card. Everything has a fee attached to it. Now, I am not advocating that this is great because non-standard auto typically attracts clientele who struggle financially. Is it a good business model to financially kick someone when they're down. It would be very similar to the underbanked crowd, the folks that go to check cashing places because they do not have a bank account. Fees are rampant within this part of the industry. Fully legal, depending on the Department of Insurance in your state, there may be disclosure laws about charging fees in addition to receiving a commission, that's going to carry with us into the standard and preferred conversation as well. For the most part, we are not a non-standard auto podcast. This is not our specialty. Like you just said, this is not what we do. I completely understand why non-standard specialty auto does this. Is there a place in our world of standard preferred where this makes sense? It does. And this is where the polarization is going to happen because there is debate within the standard preferred carrier realm of they don't want the brand associated in some cases with policy fees or agent fees. They feel like they pay a commission and that's what you should earn your living and operate your business on, etc. Here's the issue. As Commission rates have decreased over the last 20 years. It's backing people into a corner. You're getting into this spot where this argument of more efficiency, more electronic, more technology, we're doing things better. Let's not forget 30 years ago, we were still mailing carbon copy applications into the insurance companies. Are you serious? Absolutely. 40 years ago and certainly 50, agents were still issuing on typewriters the actual policy and sending it in by mail. Fax was huge. That changed the world at that time. We were issuing the policies in our office, handing the insured a policy and mailing a policy to the insurance company. Look at this risk that we've decided to put you on and make you responsible for paying claims on. There was a lot of difference there. Things have become extremely efficient, but here's the reality. Agents are still doing it. Most Agents are still doing it all. There's so much a non-touch at the company side from an underwriting standpoint, things that automatically flow through that agents are still doing the most legwork in the process of acquisition of a new policy and in a lot of cases, servicing of those policies. As you have seen the decrease of commission rates, 15 used to be standard, sometimes up to 18 or 20. Now we're seeing 12 and 13 on the high side and 10, and we're just seeing that shrinkage of commission rates. 
one for a particular carrier that we've been dealing with this week. That's going to make me upset on live on the podcast. Polarizing. That was my job today. Yeah. The worst business decision I've ever seen a group of executives ever make. But yes, there's a backing agents into a corner scenario that you get into here. And I know that there are many agents across the country that charge application fees or new business fees. Now, on direct bill policies where you're not involved in the billing, except maybe on the front end writing the new policy, you don't necessarily have the opportunity to charge renewal fees in that personal lines basis, direct bill, standard preferred basis. So doing it up front, yeah, people do that. There's a lot of agents that are doing that. And I don't sit on the fence a lot with a lot of things. This is one where I've remained neutral. It just depends on the agent and it depends on the agent's need and how they're conducting business. I don't have a problem with it, but at the same time, we're also not doing it. That's where I would call me being somewhat neutral is we're not doing it, but I also don't have a problem with agents that actually do that on a standard and preferred basis. As a marketing person, I don't like things that are cliche. If I hear I know that you did not hire a professional marketing person, or if you did hire a professional marketing person, you should fire them because that does not mean anything to anybody in the whole wide world. So that's one of my pet peeves. Along the lines with that, to me in the insurance world is saying that we're going to offer you a free quote. We know Shane's line when it comes to quoting. This is something that needs to be removed from the vocabulary. The idea of charging an application fee or a new policy fee in the world of standard preferred business, is that one of those things that, okay, if we charge it, does that mean we're better than everyone else? Or is it from a competitive standpoint, a hindrance? The world has become fee comforted in a way. It's become familiar in other places. There's a lot of banking fees associated. Then there's the people that say no fee checking. What does that mean to have a no fee checking account? You're definitely not getting interest rate, any kind of return on your money. You're probably not getting a paper statement. There's things that you're not going to get when it's a no fee checking versus a checking account that has an annual fee or a monthly minimum balance fee. It's one of those things that through the years, the fee opportunity has grown because society has become normalized with it. Convenience store the other day, I was shocked that asked me for a tip. Did they provide you food at the convenience store? Is it like that cool new gas station that's up the road from your office that has the really great meat pies? Maybe I can see that. No, this is just this thing. There's a Wall Street Journal article. We're being tipped to death. Everybody's put tips on their point of sale as you're tapping your card or Apple Pay or whatever. It's it's asking you, do you want a tip? And these are not wait service type restaurants. These are fast food joints. I saw it for the first time in a convenience store the other day. Julie and I see this in two different directions. I'm the automatic tipper when it asks me. And she's, I'm not tipping for that. That's ridiculous. It's the convenience store. Where does that money go? Then you find out that, and this is crazy, but I know one convenience store owner that's using that tipping mechanism to pay for his merchant fees. Is that legal? That seems questionable. But to go back to Julie and I had this same conversation over Christmas when I was there. She and I had lunch at a, a place there in Huntington. And, and we were just like, is this a place that we should tip? They're asking for a tip, but it doesn't make sense 
Yeah. So this is a conversation that she and I had as well. And I'm like you, I'm an automatic tipper. And she was like, what are you doing? Why are you tipping for that? (laughs) The irony of this is that when she was in high school and college, we met in college, I learned the appropriate tipping gesture from her because she was a waitress and she would tell me stories and she would tell me about certain people that aren't good tippers and people that you think would be good tippers aren't good tippers. And her father owned a restaurant. And so she waited tables in there and she gave me the 411 on the tipping spectrum. And so now here we are 30 years later and I'm the one that's doing the automatic tipping on the point of sale system. And she's the one going, we don't tip on this. That's silly. Here's the thing. I use the tipping analogy because it's a little bit related to the fee concept. Agency owners are using these new policy or application fees to help provide compensation, additional commission bonusing off of those policy fees or application fees. They're using it to help their staff with compensation. I get it. That's why I'm pretty neutral about it. Not all of that is fully going into that agent's pocket. They're using it to share with their people. I start thinking about, okay, are we leaving money on the table as an agency? Are we sitting here thinking about this wrong? We're last to do things like that because of our small town nature. We're a little less prone to jump into the agent or policy fee or application fee world. But it's intriguing and I watch it and I talk to agents that do it and I try to learn because I want to know if my business can be better because maybe we're missing something. We're talking personal lines because commercial lines, this conversation goes an entirely different direction. Yes. Commercial is a completely different animal. This is an area where we actually do charge a application fee or a new policy fee or an agent fee. We have a disclosure process because the Department of Insurance requires if you're going to charge a fee in addition to receiving commission, you have to disclose it. That's a state of Texas thing. I don't know how that goes from state to state. I encourage agents before they charge fees, if they want to start looking into this, understand the regulations in your state. We charge an agent fee on small commercial surplus lines business. We do it because it's just more complicated. It's more of a pain in the butt. We do it so that we can earn a minimum amount of revenue off of an account. A lot of agents have moved down this path of, we just won't write it. We didn't want to do that because of our locations and because of our customer base. My dad always had a good saying, don't just stop doing something. Just go up on the price until you like doing it. We don't do it on larger accounts. And there is a ugly side to this world that I'm not sure how comfortable I am with it. But agents do it in certain areas. And if it becomes market acceptable within your area, then maybe this is just the way it is. But I am aware of certain agencies, certain states have heard about agents charging large fees on accounts like $10,000 premium account, an agent charging three or $4,000 fee in addition to the commission on an account. That type of thing and that type of activity, I just don't know if there's much of a long game in that. But I also don't know what that particular agent is dealing with. 
is the customer pain in the rear. I've seen agents just fee something up because the customer's just a turd and they don't want to do business with them. And so they just fee it up to make the customer go, either you're going to pay me to do business with you or you're going to go down the street and do business with somebody else and leave me alone. That's the ugly side of this world in commercial. It happens more in commercial than personal, but I see most of the commercial fees around excess and surplus lines type accounts. I know that we have agents that charge fees across the board for commercial. I know that we have partner agents that do this. And then I see that other agents will come in and tell them all the reasons why they shouldn't do this. And I really think it's one of the very few things that I've ever seen our agents truly be polarized on. So tell me why we have agents that think charging fees are a bad idea. I feel like it's Probably related to how they come up in the business, whether it was a certain captive company or maybe they had management background within a certain captive company or various companies. I don't think it's generational. I see it with younger and older agents. So I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's a how you were trained, how you were raised up in the business. And if you were raised in the business, so to speak, that's bad then you're naturally thinking that's bad. If you were raised up in the business where it's, yeah, that's fine. Just put a fee on it and disclose it. Then you don't think it feels so bad. It's one of those true things that I actually love about the independent agency system. An agent can do something and another agent can do something totally different. And both are right. In other words, this whole fee thing is a Ford versus Chevy debate. It's not like a Ford versus Dodge debate where one's right and one's wrong. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. We primarily focus on smaller commercial. Is this different for large commercial accounts? It can be, both on an agent fee basis in addition to commission and then a pure fee-based brokerage scenario in lieu of commission also known as net commission. As you get into these larger accounts, which in all practicalities, the majority of our audience probably is not going to be in this business, but you could be. Or you could be thinking about it. Or you could be thinking about it because you don't understand that world, but it looks good because there's a zillion dollars worth of premium over there. Or you're cheating on us and you're listening to somebody else's podcast that's telling you that this is the greatest thing ever. That could be it. There is that world out there and the large national brokerages play in this world very well. This is down this path where the infamous Elliot Spitzer and the attorney general attack on the industry in the early 2000s got into contingency and profit sharing and additional fees. And you started getting into a lot of questions about whether insurance companies were even going to be able to pay a commission. There was a realm that we went through as an industry that was weird. Elliot Spencer ended up being something different altogether. Search him. Which is what I'm currently doing as you're speaking. You've got this world in mid-market to large commercial where sometimes there's a choice to have the carrier quote it net of commission because you're going to fee it up. Sometimes it's a situation where it's a complicated risk and the commission option is low and you need to have more compensation to service the account. This exists and sometimes the big brokers play 
in this space where they cut their commission or they cut their fee in order to win the account. It's a different world altogether. It's in a way standard preferred personal lines versus high net worth. It's a different world. And there's just a different approach to how things are compensated. And you may be a placement facility. So there's things like a placement facility or brokerage house where they're going to fee it up. And when you kind of circle back to what happens out there in the surplus lines world, where you've gone out into this brokerage market, you're going to get a quote back from the quote wholesaler and there's going to be a fee on it. That fee could be 250 bucks. It could be $500. It could be a thousand dollars. They're all over the board and you're going to get into surplus lines taxes and you're going to get into things like that. There's all these elements that they're just different. When it comes to how the business is transacted, therefore, it's not an apples to apples comparable to the standard preferred small commercial. And I think you need to understand that if you start looking at it, you may get a chance to look at an account that has, quote, been feed up and it may blow your mind. You may be, oh, my gosh, I can't believe somebody would charge this before you can't believe it. You need to understand the big picture about that account and what it means and what it actually takes to serve that account, because it may make a lot of sense. So the fees we're talking about on commercial, is this one of those things that we're charging those fees up front or are we charging those fees when we have to service accounts and give them 500 different certificates for different things? And are those fees charged at different times or is it just one of those things that it's a one time a year and you better get it right? Totally opposite to the agent. I know agents that charge a fee for every certificate. And I know agents that don't charge fees for certificates because they charged an agent fee when they wrote the policy and they're going to charge an agent fee when they renew the policy. This is just the way it is. It truly depends on the scenario and it truly depends on the agent. On the flip side of that, are there agents out there that feel as though you're taking advantage of customers because of it? And what would you say to that? Probably. But the first thing I would say is make sure you understand the scenario that the agent charging the fee is in and make sure you understand the type of business they're writing and what they're dealing with from a servicing standpoint. The second thing, it might be none of your business because it's their agency and that's the beauty of the independent agency. And if they want to do that, they can do that. Now, that may not feel great and I might step on toes when I say that, but the reality of it is, is that's the beauty of the independent agency system that I fell in love with 28 years ago. Maybe someone's doing something I don't like, but it's legal and it may be none of my business that they're doing that. Now, the customer has a choice. The customer doesn't have to do business with that person. And maybe it's your position if you think that's wrong or you think that shouldn't be done. Maybe you should be the educator and maybe that client should be working with you. And if you do a good job of educating, you may obtain a new client from the agents that are charging all those fees. What about these other fees that seem to show up on surplus line quotes? Ah, the surplus lines tax, the tax and stamping fees, maybe in addition to a policy fee by the wholesaler. Okay, wait a minute. Tax and stamping fees. This sounds like that whole reason that 
the United States. <laughs> the left, Boston Tea Party. Left Britain, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is like a Boston Tea Party thing. Yeah. yeah. In a state, a state admits a carrier to do business. So it's called an admitted carrier. They fall under the state's guarantee fund and they're regulated by the state. They're admitted by the state, etc. They don't pay a tax. They pay fees to the Department of Insurance, but they don't pay a tax. There are other companies who say, I don't want to go through that process with that state. I'm just going to do business in that state. Let's just call it Texas. I'm going to do business in Texas on a non-admitted basis. And when you decide to do that, guess what? You get to pay a tax to the Department of Insurance and the state because you're an unregulated, non-admitted carrier in that state. They're going to get their money one way or another. But here's the thing, that surplus lines policy, that non-admitted policy, they get a lot more freedom on their policy form, their coverage form, things they don't want to write, things they don't want to do. And that's where you have to be really careful as an agent. If you have no background here, educating yourself, partner agents that have no background in this, go through an education process to learn about it. Because it's an area where there can be a ton of exclusions in these surplus lines policies. And you think you've got this great rate, this great $5,500 a year quote for this contractor because they're currently paying 18000 with this admitted carrier, standard carrier over here. And you think you've got this great rate and you're fixing to steal this account. And lo and behold, they exclude three of the things that this particular customer does on a day in and day out basis. So that realm can get a little scary from an E&O perspective if you don't know what you're doing. But those companies, you have to pay a tax, surplus lines tax, to actually do business in certain states if you're non-admitted. Do you feel like you've gone to a lecture hall today? Do you feel like you're back in college and you've sit through this boring lecture since you're my boss, I'm not going to say yes to that because I would like to keep my job. Hope somebody listens to this podcast because I've bored myself with all this insurance talk, but it is important. And that's why I brought it up. I knew it was something that we had never talked about in our almost 200 episodes. We're getting really, really very close. Very close, very close. But the first time I ever asked about the surplus lines and admitted and, and non-admitted carriers, you looked at me and you looked at Holly, uh, another member of your leadership team, and you said, I wish had this conversation over lunch. And I thought, oh my goodness, what in the world did I just ask? Well, you had to get out of the office to have this conversation. It's such a tangled web and rabbit holes. And it's fascinating. And as an insurance nerd and the history of insurance, I love it. But when you are talking with someone that doesn't have the perspective or the background, it can go down so many paths. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Michael Johnson. The best motivation always comes from within. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.